Hi there. It is a treat and it is fantastic to be with the Journey Church family today. The Hopkins family has sorely missed the Journey Church family. It is an absolute joy and privilege to be back with you. A special welcome, a very special welcome if you're a guest, maybe with us for the first time today. Also, an extra special welcome to our friends who are tuning in at the bridge in glorious Glendive, Montana, via video. We're really glad you're with us today. Glad to have you. I want to say a very special thank you for the wonderful welcome at the airport last Saturday night as we arrived home from Ethiopia with our new additions to our family, Joshua and Silas and Malia. We want you to know that all of the meals and all of the stuff that you have brought over to our house have been an incredible blessing, have blessed us beyond measure. Though I'm not sure how I'm going to explain to the three new additions uh, when the stuff stops coming, like what happened? Like, did they say something or do something? Or they just sort of wither up, you know, that happens. You uh, are a wonderful church family, and we are so thrilled and we are so grateful to God for every single one of you. Thank you for your love and prayers and kindness. Thank you very much. Uh, we thought this week that a little family adventure might be in order, and so I dragged literally everyone, the whole nine of us, up the M. And I tested our family's mettle by forcing us up the steep trail. Uh, no one in the whole family, especially my lovely wife Dana, was particularly thrilled about that. Uh, we did make it to the top, though, and because we achieved, I let us go down the easy trail, which was uh, very gracious of me, right? Uh, a very nice woman at the top even snapped a picture of us. So there we are, all nine Hopkins and Try to get nine people to look at the camera, it, uh, exceedingly difficult. And so uh, Bailey, Dylan, Silas, Joshua, Jasmine, Preston with his head turned, and Malia, and then the lovely and gracious Dana and me, there we are. And uh, Josh, uh, he's from Africa, right? And so I told him we were going to the mountains, and uh, I think he thought that a sword might be in order, and so he brought a sword along. <laughs> He didn't really, it was Dylan's, and he ended up carrying it for Dylan, nice brother that he is. Uh, so this week, we're starting a 10-week experience, and I want you to know that this is not just a message series, it's an experience, an entire experience that we call Life Hurts, God Heals. And just like the cover of the study guide that you should have received when you came in today, it's an experience all about finding true and lasting freedom from our hurts and from our habits and from our hang-ups. See, there's a couple of unique features about this experience over the course of the next 10 weeks. First, this study guide that you got when you came in today, hold it up, show me that you got one. Did everyone get one? Yes, way to go. If you didn't, you can pick one up on the way out today. This is your guide. This is your handbook through the next 10 weeks, this experience. Please keep it. Please bring it with you on the weekends. Please take it to your small groups. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Please do not just chuck this thing and then try to pick up another one next weekend. The bouncers at the doors will not let you do that. Some churches, they call those guys ushers. Around here, we call them bouncers. They will not permit you. The study guide has all of the sermon notes in it for the next 10 weeks. It has your homework activity, which we're going to ask you to engage in some homework over the course of the next 10 weeks, as well as the small group discussion for your small groups. It's all in here. This is a very valuable tool. Making use of this will help you squeeze the experience for everything that it's worth. And then because we're talking about pain, that's what we're talking about. Life hurts, 
right? Pain, God heals. Because we're talking about pain, this very weighty topic, uh, you will not regret engaging in a small group along with this experience. I promise you will not regret engaging in a small group. Each weekend throughout the experience, the messages will set up your conversation and your dialogue in your small groups. And so I just encourage you, just join one. Would you please just join one? Take a step, maybe a long step outside of your comfort zone over these next 10 weeks and just get in a group. I want you to know that I personally am not a touchy-feely guy who enjoys gathering in circles of people and unzipping my soul, okay? I do not uh, thoroughly enjoy that. I push myself to that. And I'm challenging you to do the very same thing. If you only try it for 10 weeks, you can quit at the end of 10 weeks. That'd be the end of it. Or maybe you'll go, oh, this is good. This is very good for my soul, for my spiritual growth. And you'll press on only if you're so inclined. But I ask you just to step into one for at least the next 10 weeks. Enough preliminaries? Got all that stuff out of the way? Let's get after it. We're on page one of your study guide. If you want to turn there, page one. Take notes and follow along. A guy named John Baker, he wrote a fantastic book called Life's Healing Choices. We'll have those for you in the coming weeks right here. I'd encourage you to pick one up. He tells a story about a dad. He was trying to take a nap one Sunday afternoon, a lot like today. The only trouble was that his boy kept bugging him, coming into the living room and saying, Dad, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. Dads, have you ever heard that one? Dad, I'm bored. And so the dad wasn't able to fall asleep to take his nap. And he just, he didn't need like two or three hours. He just needed like that just an hour-long nap would have been just fine. So the dad racked his brain trying to innovate and come up with something new to occupy his son so he could sleep for just 60 minutes. He thought to turn to the newspaper, and in that morning's newspaper, he found a picture of the whole world. He got some scissors. He cut the picture of the world up into about 50 pieces. He sort of scattered them across the living room floor, and he said, all right, son, see if you can put that thing together. The dad returned to the couch, laid down, started to take his nap, thinking that his most brilliant plan to occupy his son would let him rest for at least an hour. It wasn't, though, more than 15 minutes later, he had just dozed off, and the little boy woke his dad up, shaking him. Dad, wake up. I've got it all finished. The puzzle's all put together. The dad sat up sort of uh, in a fog, as you might imagine, and he's thinking in his head, there is no way my kid is that smart. I know my kid. He's not that smart. He doesn't know the position of all the countries and all of the continents on the map. So he goes, how how in the world did you do it so fast? The son said, well, dad, it was very easy. There was a picture of a person on the back of the map, so all I had to do was put my person together, and the world looked just fine. This whole 10-week experience that we're calling Life Hurts, God Heals is centered on the question, how's your person doing? How's your person doing? Are you all put together? Are you really all put together? Or are you just pretending your way through life, making it appear to those around you that you're all neat and tidy, no rough edges, all fully assembled When you know in the deepest, darkest recesses of yourself that if people could see the real you, if the curtain were to crack just a few inches, they'd see that a fully assembled you is actually the very furthest thing from the truth. And here is the truth. 
Most of us, if we were completely and totally honest with ourselves, with others, and with God especially, we would have to admit that we're a mess. And that's a strong word, I know. But we are, all of us, me included, we're a mess. Many, 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 many of us, we are scattered. This is a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, and we're scattered like jigsaw puzzle pieces all over the floor, all over the living room table, all over the kitchen table, all over the floor. We're scattered. Thousands and thousands and thousands of pieces of us. And we feel like on our darkest days that we've got no one to put us together. The way that we were made to be put together. We've got no clue about where to even start the process of scooping up all of these pieces and putting us back together the way that we were meant to be put back together. Where to begin the process of healing. Whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you're anywhere in between those two, our lives, they're all knotted and they're all tangled with the hurts that deeply haunt our hearts, with the habits that many of us have become so ensnared in these habits that they've started to actually mess up our lives, and with the hang-ups that cause us, and certainly people around us, great amounts of pain. The other day, our whole family went out to my in-laws for lunch in the afternoon of playing. It was quite a breezy day, so I threw my kite into the van. Uh, Yes, you heard me right. I said van. The Hopkins family owns our very own 15-passenger van now. Uh, Currently, at the moment, it's in the 11-passenger configuration. We have the very back seat pulled out so that the folks over at Costco can get the pallets of food into the back of it. And uh, I want you to know that it's gray. Our van is gray. And if you see it coming, you might want to maybe find a side street because Dana drives it with a vengeance. (laughs) Look out. So I threw my kite into the van thinking I might be able to let the kids fly it a bit that day. And so we went to my in-laws. We ate some lunch. We went outside. I started to unfold my kite. It takes a little bit to set up. And I got it up in the air and was even flying it. About the time I got it up in the air, I looked around me, though, and there wasn't a single one of my children anywhere to be seen. So there I am, standing in a field all by myself, just flying my kite, going, this was not the plan. What happened here? Where are the kids? So I landed the kite, which took a little doing, got it, landed, and about that time, here came all the little kids, and they were all carrying bags, like Walmart bags, of their kites that Grammy keeps at her house for them. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. All the, you know, you just get the picture, you know, the sort of cellophane kites with long tails that are knotted a thousand times. And they're all like, Daddy, Daddy, get mine in the air. So I started to work on one. And if they'd just stay in the sky for like 30 seconds, wouldn't you just be thrilled? And so I get one of them in the air. Here, hold this. And then it starts to fall while I run over. And then that kid's yelling at me over there. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And then Dylan, while I was helping Preston, Dylan, he got his so tangled up. The tails were wrapped around these big weeds in this field. And then those dumb handle string things, Right? You know, so he says, Daddy, there's no, where's the string? And so he, he hands it to me, and it is a knotted nightmare. I spent 15 minutes 
uh, at peril of my salvation, trying to untangle. I just wanted one single end of the thing and couldn't find it. Finally, I said, Dylan, we're out of business today, buddy. This kite is not going to fly because we don't have any strings. Like, there's string right there. I'm like, well, there's no end to the string. And I said, and the church will have to find a new pastor if I keep working on this. So I discarded that. It was a mess. And just like the kids, kites and strings and kite tails were all a jumbled, tangled mess that day, our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups leave our lives a whole bunch of the time in the exact same state, don't they? Tangled, jumbled, scattered all over the kitchen table, all over the living room floor, all over the bathroom counter, a million pieces. And a whole bunch of us live life sort of in a state of denial, We believe that our lives are somehow miraculously unaffected by hurts, habits, and hang-ups that plague everyone else. But get this. The truth is that there's not a single person in the world who doesn't deal with at least one of those at some level at some point in their life. More often than not, real candidly, real frankly, we wrestle, we struggle, we grapple with all three of them, me included. All three of those things. Because the truth is, life happens. It just does. Life happens. Life is hard. Last week, you probably got a postcard in the mail from Journey Church. And on the front side, captured just a sampling of things that make life so hard. There it is right there. Stuff that causes us to say, life happens. Intolerance, drugs, lies, abuse, enmity, corruption, pessimism, ignorance, Divorce, unemployment, crime, crisis, hostility, bankruptcy, death, violence, racism, disaster, depression, on and on. There it is. The list could go. And see, the reason that that stuff exists, the reason that we have to deal with it, the reason that we have to say sometimes life happens is because we live in an incredibly imperfect and an incredibly flawed world. This is by far from a perfect place. We've been hurt by other people. We've hurt ourselves. We wreak havoc on other people. We don't intend to all of the time. But we cause pain in other people's lives. And the Bible, God's word in very plain language, says in the book of Romans, everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. That means that whether you're in denial or not, the real truth is that not a single one of us is perfect. I've blown it, you've blown it, the person sitting on both sides of you has blown it, some of you are jabbing elbows right now, don't do that, it's not kind, they could do it right back anyway, right, because you've blown it too, we all mess up, we all make mistakes, we all hurt, we all hurt others, we just do, we're human beings and we are flawed, but the truth is, that none of us were designed to live with pieces of ourselves scattered like jigsaw puzzle pieces all over the table, all over the floor, all over the bathroom counter. When we're living life with our person put together the way that God intends for us to be, the way God intends for us to live, it's amazing how much better the world looks. It's a whole new view on life. And that's what these next 10 weeks are all about, really. We're gonna learn about We're going to press into some homework about. We're going to share in small groups about making eight healing choices that are based on Jesus' beatitudes that he spoke to his disciples and to us. With the help and strength of God through this process, 
We think that God is actually going to help us put our world together, pick up all of these pieces and put us back together the way that God designed and planned for us from the very beginning of time. And I want to start us out with a word straight from God concerning his promise of his resources. He's not just telling us we ought to do this and then dumping us out on our head and saying, have fun with that. He actually promises to provide his resources to help us live in such a way that we're freed up from our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. Isaiah 57, 17, and 18. You can follow along on the screens in your handbook or in your text if you have one. Here's what the Bible says. This is the Good News Translation. I have seen, this is God talking now, I have seen how they acted, but I will heal them. Get that. I have seen how they acted, but I will heal them. Now, uh, as an aside, some of you are showing up here today, and you have quite another view on God. You expect that God is perpetually punitive, that he's just waiting like a little kid with a microscope to burn the ant. You're the ant. God is the kid with the microscope to burn you every time you step out of line. But look at what the Bible says. God himself. I have seen how they acted, but I will heal them. He's not burning our butts with a microscope, see. Quite the opposite, frankly. He's promising his healing. I will lead them, the text goes on, and help them. I will comfort those who mourn. I offer peace to all, both near and far. I will heal my people. Now, you've got to understand the state of affairs that uh, in Isaiah's day, when God spoke these words into, it was far from a lovely time, far from a lovely season. That little phrase, I have seen how they have acted, is a nod by God to acknowledge that things were very, very dark in Isaiah's day, especially when it came to his people's devotion and attention to him. During Isaiah's day, just as they had done since the very beginning of time, people had fallen into a pattern of God providing his people, his children, his nation, the Jews, with a season of peace from their enemies and from their attackers. You might have heard it called shalom before. That's the way that life was intended to be lived. Shalom. All is well. All is at perfect peace as God intended. Life the way it was meant to be lived. But that only lasted for so long, though. The Israelites, they would get fat, they would get happy, they would get complacent in their attention and in their devotion to God, and then they would fall into sin. They would ignore God. That's when he says, I have seen how they have acted. That's the sin pattern that would emerge over and over and over again. That would cause God then, the sin pattern, to hand them over, to let the consequences of their sin run its natural course. He would hand them over to their enemies and their attackers. Well, how do you think that goes? Not very well, not very fun. It lands God's people, his children, his nation, the Jews, in a season of pain. Ouch! They're crushed by their enemies, crushed by their attackers. Ouch, life hurts. And what do the Israelites do when they're in a season of pain? What do we do when we're in a season of pain? We cry out, don't we? Help, we cry out to God. Help us, please. And what does God do? Does he ignore? Absolutely not. Absolutely he doesn't ignore He doesn't ignore God's children, the people of Israel, and he doesn't ignore us either. He cares and he hears. And in the Old Testament, he would raise up a deliverer, a judge, a prophet who would capture the attention of the nation of Israel, leading them for a season back into right relationship with God. 
And then the cycle would start all over again. They would grow complacent. They would fall off. A season of pain, crying out to God, over and over and over again. The cycle plays out all throughout the text, but not just all throughout the text. It's the same deal with us as well, isn't it? The same cycle over and over and over again. And God sees how the Israelites have acted. He sees how we have acted. Maybe even today, maybe even yesterday. He sees how we have acted. And even still, he promises us three ways that he'll help us find freedom from our hurts, our habits, and our hang-ups. God doesn't just say, you're stuck. Have fun with that. Glad I'm not you. Uh Uh-uh. He says, my resources, my power is available to you because he wants us to live freed up. He wants us to live whole, not scattered. First, God says, if you're hurt, I'll heal you. If you're hurt, I'll heal you. All the pieces of our person that have been scattered like puzzle pieces everywhere in our lives, God desires to pick up and put all back together, make us into the whole person he designed us to be. You know that word heal actually means to put something right. That is fantastic because God desires to put you right. He desires to put me right. We're meant to be whole, not scattered in a million pieces by the pain of this life. God says to us, all of us, I'll heal you. I'll heal you. And then God says, if you're confused, I'll lead you. Isn't that fantastic? If you're confused, I'll lead you. We took our kids who we just brought home to the doctor this week, their first United States doctor visit, and nothing has rattled these guys to this point whatsoever. Uh, Not their first trip to the airport in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. That didn't rattle them. The airplane ride was impressive to them for about 15 seconds, I think. Uh, Their American food has not phased or rattled them. Their first trips to their respective schools this week didn't rattle them at all. They're very resilient. They just sort of roll with stuff. It's either they're resilient and rolling with it or they're in such a state of shock that they have no idea what has just happened to them. We're not sure. We'll figure it out. And while nothing else had rattled them to this point, Dan and I could tell that the doctor's office got to them. It was a confusing event for them. Just think about it. Into one exam room, in comes a nurse, myriad of questions. In comes a doctor, myriad of questions. Out to the scales, out to the height measuring station, then back to the exam room, then into the, uh, out to the eye chart, then mm, 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 all that stuff at the eye chart, then into another exam room for the I'm sorry you need to pull your pants down now conversation, sorry about that, then back to the other exam room and then into the bathroom to, you know, fill up the little plastic cup, right? And then back to the exam room and then over to the lab to have seven vials of blood drawn out of every single one of them. And the lady who uh, drew their blood, I just don't think you can have much of a sense of humor and draw blood out of people. I I was talking to her about all the vials that she was filling. I was like, good night, are they donating blood? And she didn't even... She didn't even crack a smile. She just said, I'll have you know that when you give blood, you give 60 of these. I was like, whoa, I'll just keep my mouth shut. Then, (laughs) just trying to make light of the situation. No humor from the blood sucker. (laughs) Hope she's not here today. From the lab, it was back to the exam room. From the exam room, it was on to the radiology department to have x-rays taken of their hands. 
for four hours. We did the whole doctor's office, medical community thing. And as the deeper we got into that, the more Dan and I could see that all three of our kids were just more and more confused as we were going on, even a little bewildered by the hubbub around the doctor's office. Their eyes sort of glossed over, glazed over as they went from step to step to step to step to step along the way. And because we picked up on this, because we could tell a whole bunch of times during that four hours that day, both Dan and I would just grab one of their hands, sometimes a couple of hands, and we'd just lead them to the next stop on the doctor office journey. And we'd tell them, it's going to be okay. Every day in America is not like a trip to the doctor. I promise you that. And we just led them through the confusion of the medical community that they got to experience. And when it comes to our own hurts, our own habits, and our own hang-ups, most of the time we're a lot like our kids were at the doctor's office. We don't know where to start. We don't know where to turn for help. We don't know what we're supposed to do to be freed up from the pain of life. And that's exactly where and exactly when God steps in and he grabs us, all of us, by the hand and he says, I know that you are confused. I get it. I know you're confused. I know you're wandering. I know your eyes are glossed over. I know you're bewildered. And God says, that's okay. That's okay. And he grabs us by the hand and he says, I promise I'm going to lead you all the way through this, all the way to the other side. I'm not going to leave you hanging over there. I'm not going to leave you stuck over there. I'm going to walk with you all the way through this. When you're confused, God says, I'll lead you. And that's a promise. And last, God says, if you feel helpless, I'll help you. If you feel helpless, I'll help you. And maybe you're a person who's tried everything that you can possibly think of to try to get freed up from the pain of this life, but at the end of the day, you've only been left feeling more empty and more helpless, more wondering, is there any relief? God's message to you today is, I'll help. I know exactly what it is that you need. I'm the only one who can provide it to you, and I'm here with you every single step of the way. God's three promises to us that help us find freedom from our hurts, from our habits, and from our hang-ups. When you're hurt, God says, I'll heal you. I'll put you all back together just the way that I intended you to live from the very beginning of time. I'll put you back together. When you're confused, I'll grab you by the hand and I'll lead you through the confusion. When you're helpless, I'll help you. I know what it is you need every step of the way. And you might go, that's fine, Brian. But it sure seems to me like God made those promises to his people thousands of years ago. So what's that have to do with me? Everything. Because God's promises stand for you and for me to this day. Nothing's changed. Which means for us sitting here on this day, the only question that's left for us to answer is whether or not we'll take God up on his promises. Will we take God up on his promises? Will you trust God enough to let him be your hope for a different future than the one that you're currently headed toward? And right now, some of you are thinking, if this bears out much longer, I'm going to be in very, very deep weeds. Will you trust God enough to let him be your hope for a different future? Will you let God lead you to a future that's filled with freedom, peace, and get this, even happiness? 
freedom, peace, and even happiness. And some of you are going, happiness? I, I can't remember the last time I felt that. And God says, I actually want happiness for you. That's what these next 10 weeks are all about. And we sincerely hope that you will trust God enough to trust him with a whole new future, a future free from hurts, free from habits, free from hang-ups. Why don't you take your study guide and set it aside, and I just invite you to move yourself into a posture of prayer and listening. Just get quiet with the Lord, if you would. Could I just ask you to stay in a posture of prayer just like this for the next few moments? Just you and the Lord having a moment together. So what about you? What about you? Are you willing to trust God to help you find freedom from your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups? Trust him with the fact that God says, when you hurt, I'll heal you. Will you trust him with the fact that when you're confused, God says, I'll lead you. Will you trust him with the fact that when you feel helpless, he says, I'll help you. Will you trust him with all of that? If you are, I'm going to ask you to make a pretty bold declaration here today. going to ask that as an act of declaration to God that you trust him enough to help you find freedom from your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups, that you would just slip your hand up right now and just say, God, I'm trusting you in these days to help me find freedom. I want to be new. I want to be different. If that's you, just declare it to the Lord. Just slip your hand up right now and just say, Lord, I trust you enough to free me up from my hurts, my habits, and my hang-ups. There's hands up all over the room. Way to go. Slip your hand up and put it right back down and just as an act of declaration to the Lord. Just say, God, I trust you enough. I trust you with a new future right now. Way to go, all of you. And the deal with that declaration is that by you slipping your hand up in a room like this, it isn't going to bring about freedom, see? There's some tools that God's orchestrated to help bring that into reality. The first one is that study guide that you have. And I'm just going to ask that you would transact some business with God around that right now. That you and the Lord would decide together that you're going to use it, that you're going to take its contents very seriously over the course of these next 10 weeks. You're going to diligently take notes in here on the weekends, that you're going to bring it to your small group, that you're going to engage in the homework, and that you're going to actually invite and let God work through this tool as we journey ahead together, just transact some business with God around that. The next tool that God's provided to help you find freedom from your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups is choosing to involve yourself in one of the small groups. You were handed that sheet when you, were, uh, when you came into the room today. And I want you to know that I believe this from the core of my being, that this whole experience, it'll be a C- minus or a D if you don't engage in a small group. So 
get in a group. And as we close the service today, I'm going to invite and I'm going to challenge you to ask God to lead you to the group that he has for you. Give some attention to that sheet. Lord, which group do you want me to be a part of? Who do you want me to be with in community, engaging in the stuff that you've got for me? And right after we dismiss today, I'll send you to some tables where you can actually put your name on the line and say, I'm in. I'm going. We'll give you a chance to do that in a few minutes. I also want to say that there are a whole bunch of people across the Journey Church community who really want to get into a small group to aid their spiritual growth, especially in the course of these next 10 weeks and perhaps even beyond. We could put 15 new small group leaders to work right now if we had them. Our pledge to you is that we'll train you, we'll get you going toward a great leadership experience. Maybe the Lord's nudging your heart to lead a group. If that's you, on those tables around the room after the service is over, you can just sign right up and say, I'll lead, I'll start right now. We'll get you trained and we'll get you going. The Lord's prompting you that way. Father God, thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, the one who sets us free. We're stunned and we're amazed at your goodness to us. You could have just chosen to leave us in our mess. You could have just chosen to leave us scattered in a million pieces. But you love us too much. It's not your design for us. So you made a way through your son, Jesus Christ, so that we could be new and so that we could be whole, so that the process of healing that is often lifelong, we recognize, can begin in us, God. And we're here today saying that we're open to your work in us. Our souls are yours, God. They're bare before you, and we ask you to do what only you can do to free us up every single one of us from our hurts, from our habits, and from our hang-ups. God, set us free so that we can be the people you designed. And God, I know that there was a whole bunch of decisions made in this room just then. And I pray, God, that you would bless those decisions, that you would compel all of our hearts more toward the decision that we just made, that we would drive the stake deep into the rock of you, stuff gets hard, when it gets challenging, when it gets arduous, when it even gets painful to deal with pain, God, we're holding tight to you because we see on the other side that wholeness and healing and freedom will be ours. And so we're engaged. Protect us all. Keep us close, God. Use this experience fantastically in our please God it's all about you and it's all because of you